Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the book of Ephesians. We are currently in chapter 2 at verse 8. Hi, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me today for this Bible study. Let's begin reading in verse 8 of chapter 2 of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So this is a very brief reading, you might say, and yet it's a very common set of verses. Uh, many people have put these verses to memory and uh, are some of the more uh, cherished verses in, in the New Testament, according to some. We, uh, we are in the first half of chapter 2, and that means that we are still talking about our new condition in Christ. Now, later in Verse 11 is a new section or a new paragraph, if you want to call it that, and that talks about our new relation in Christ, and we'll get to that in future episodes. But for now, our new condition in Christ includes two, two things as far as Paul is, uh, uh, is outlining for us here, and that is he first of all wants to establish a contrast. That contrast is who we were before Christ who we were before we met Christ, before we were born again, before we trusted him as our Savior, and before the Holy Spirit regenerated us to give us new life. And before that, well, verses 1 through 3 describe what our past was. Now, we uh, uh, various Christians may not uh, particularly uh, find everything in the list of verses 1 through 3 as something they had practiced before they came to Christ, but uh, the whole thing is that that's who we were as far, as far as our nature was concerned. We could have been that had it not been for perhaps our parents or our environment or any number of other things that God may have allowed us to be a part of in our growth growing up stage of life, uh, or even in our adult life. Um, so we may not have particularly experienced everything there, but the nature was there uh, because of who we were without Christ. And that's uh, the way he began uh, chapter 2. And uh, so before, we were dead in sins and transgressions. But uh, uh, that's uh, who we used to be. And uh, even if we were raised in church, <laughs> and uh, yet uh, before we come to faith in Christ, then that's who we were uh, as far as our nature was concerned, our spiritual life was concerned. Now, verses 4 through 10, this is our after. Uh, and uh, so before we were dead in sins, but after we came to Christ, uh, we are alive with Christ, and that's verses 4 through 10. And um, e even that paragraph or that set of verses can be broken down, and um, the 
first part of it uh, we've already covered in verses 4 through 7, talking about being raised and seated with Christ in heavenly places. And now, verses 8 through 10, uh, we are saved and created uh, for good works. We are his workmanship, and that is this passage here in front of us. That's what we read today. Uh, this is uh, this is God's uh, love on display, and uh, that is that's what that's what the first uh, verses four through seven was. God's love is on display now. In verses eight through ten, it is God's grace through faith. So that gives you an idea of the way that uh, the flow of thought is here when uh, Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing these things. And so he begins here in verse 8 by saying, For by grace you have been saved. And that means we were dead. And uh, he started verse 4 with the great contrast. The contrast is, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. And in that uh, last part of verse 5, there's a parenthesis in my translation that says, by grace you have been saved. So Paul is now elaborating on that little parenthetical phrase there, by grace you have been saved. And so there's a connection, you see, from a, a a literature standpoint. So now he's elaborating. He's extrapolating on that truth. The truth is, for by grace you have been saved through faith. That means this is something we did not earn. We didn't work for it. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. Uh, This is something that uh, God gave us. That's what grace means. It is a gift. It is a gift that is to be received. And uh, the most common definition is unmerited favor. That means we didn't earn it, and it's a gift. And that's exactly the way uh, Paul wants us to understand that. Uh, John even says in the opening of his gospel, chapter 1, verse 17 of uh, the gospel of John, uh, he writes this, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Now, he's not necessarily saying that grace didn't exist before Jesus showed himself on earth, but uh, rather that now it becomes the uh, uh, mode of operation, <laughs> and that that is the the central part of of what attracts us and what what uh, motivates us and what uh, defines us as a people on earth. Uh, whereas before, uh, the law of Moses was the uh, was the covenant to the nation of Israel. It was like God's contract or um, um, God's constitution for this nation. And so uh, uh, it uh, primarily was interested in the covenant relationship of a of a national institution to uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And because of that covenant, then its emphasis on earth, at least, was the idea of the law of Moses. And that was the thing that guided their life, uh, guided their daily life, guide, guided their national life. Um, but uh, so, but uh, the whole point is that, that spiritual life was always by grace through faith uh, from the very Garden of Eden all the way through the law of Moses uh, salvation, personal salvation, was always through this same uh, spiritual work in the inner man. And uh, 
the, the difference is that now that Jesus has come to this earth, that he died on the cross, and in that death he paid the penalty for our sin, and in his resurrection he gave the authority to, uh, to give to us eternal life, and uh, that is received then as a gift. And so that message and that historical framework, as well as the work of God in Christ, which purchased our salvation, then that becomes the center point of our definition of who we are. That is now our new identity. Uh, The law of Moses isn't our identity. It may be a, a lot of benefit to us, and it may give us a lot of insight into the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, uh, and to the 12 tribes of Israel as the nation of Israel, and give us a lot of uh, foundation for our faith and for our understanding of who God is and what his purposes are. And yet, the identity that we have today has to do with Christ, and it is received. It is a gift that we receive by faith. And uh, somebody has uh, created the uh, 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 the little phrase that says, God's riches at Christ's expense. That is that is the definition for grace. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. Uh, Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. That doesn't mean that all, all men everywhere are automatically saved. It just means that grace provides what is necessary for all men to be saved uh, should they come to Christ. And uh, it is by grace. It is not uh, uh, by works. And he's going to get to that here in a moment. But how is this gift received? It is received by faith. It's not an automatic function. It uh, it isn't just a slam dunk, so to speak, uh, someplace in the in the heavenlies, and that it's just automatic. Um, it is instead something to be received. And how do we receive it? Through the instrument of faith. And that's what he's getting at here. And in fact, if you go through uh, Matthew chapter 25, which is a very favorite uh, verse of many uh, who uh, preach God's word. And yet, if you go to Matthew 25 and the final judgment there in verses 31 through 46, uh, there there are uh, the works that are described and the failure that is described are all on the basis of works. But uh, if you look at the passage closely, uh, the at that uh, uh, at that throne or at that judgment seat of Christ. There is uh, already, there are sheep and there are goats. They already are there in that identity, you see. Uh, this is not a judgment in Matthew 25 to, to determine who gets to go to heaven and who gets to go to hell. This is a judgment that has already been prescribed by who they are. They are already goats before they ever show up. They are already sheep before they ever show up at this judgment. So the judgment is basically a judgment based upon their identity and what their identity has done to their behavior. And so their behavior reflects who they are. And uh, that's the whole point. And I, I really uh, felt like this was necessary in order in order to clarify what this this thing means by grace you have been saved through faith what are we saved from well in this very passage we find something that we're saved from and that is in verse 3 
uh, part C there in that verse says, we were once children of wrath. We were deserving God's judgment. We were deserving the wrath of God. That uh, uh, sometimes we get the idea that the wrath of God is somehow, somehow that God is angry with us. Well, that might be uh, an understanding, but but the wrath of God is uh, is bigger than just a, a human emotion of anger. It has to do with God uh, having uh, having judged sin to be sin and. Uh, because he is holy, then he, then sin and sinners are not allowed into his presence. And so that means his wrath is poured out. And that means uh, that for those who do not know Christ, they experience that wrath. They are, they are children of that wrath because that's who they are. That's where they, uh, they are already. But th- the point of this passage is, but God did something. God intervened for so that children of wrath could become children of God. There is a way that God has provided for us to be transferred from darkness to light, from wrath to forgiveness, from judgment to uh, uh, um, uh, uh, clean cleanness in our conscience. And uh, uh, so we receive that through faith. And that means forsaking all, I trust him. F-A-I-T-H. Forsaking all, I trust him. I want to trust Jesus that he is the one that saves me. He is the one that paid the penalty. He's the one that was my substitute for the wrath of God. And in him, I find forgiveness. We'll be back right after this. are still in verse 8 of uh, Ephesians chapter 2. We've not yet made it into verse 9 because we have a lot to uh, get into here. It says that we have been saved, we've been saved from something, and we've been saved to something. And that is a gift to be received. That gift is received by faith, according to uh, the first part of this verse. It is grace. It is not something we did in order to earn it. Uh, We didn't deserve it. Uh, We receive it. It is a gift, and we reach out with empty hands, as somebody said, and and we receive what God has offered to us. And again, uh, Paul goes on in verse 8, that, that, and he describes, and that not of yourselves. And um, that refers to the salvation part. Um, now, some uh, take it to believe that, that that not of yourselves refers back in the sentence to the word faith, that faith is not of ourselves. Well, uh, that could be what uh, what is going on here, although it seems as though that, that uh, in this phrase, 
it actually refers back to the saved part is not of ourselves. Paul is reiterating, he is is underlining what he has just said by repeating something in the negative. He said it in the positive, by grace you have been saved through faith. Now he says it in the negative, and that not of yourselves. And so he wants you to know that it has nothing to do with, with anything you do that accomplishes your salvation. Um, uh, Philippians chapter 1 verse 29 says, for to you it has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake so that our standing as those who have trusted Jesus is a standing that we didn't accomplish. We didn't uh, contribute to that standing at all. We received it as a gift. It is granted to us, according to Philippians 1.29. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 1, uh, part B, it says, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that uh, there is this understanding that we have received something. Even the faith itself to receive something is, uh, is a work of God on our hearts. And uh, it goes on to say, it is a gift of God. So it's almost as if God, uh, Paul wants to double up his words to make sure you understand what he's saying. Because he's already... Uh, use the word grace in in the beginning of verse 8. Grace is what? Grace is a gift. It is a gift to be received. Grace is something that you receive without contributing anything on your behalf. You just reach out and take it, Uh, not because you're taking it, but because you're receiving it. And uh, that's what it is. And so it's not of yourself. It is the gift of God. So now he restates it in a positive way using basically the same idea and the same words. uh, Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 31, talks all about this. But verse 24 in particular, it says this in Romans chapter 3. Uh, it says, being justified as a gift by his grace. So again, Paul doubles up his wording so that we understand this is a gift. This is something we received. It is not something we earn. It is not something that we contribute. It is not a deal we make with God. It is not. Uh, it is not like uh, uh, we have a fairly good life on our own, and then we have to uh, come to Jesus to make our life better. That's not it at all. Uh, there. <laughs> Or uh, that uh, God saw, saw somehow some potential in us that, that we weren't achieving and God comes in to help us achieve all the potential that's ours. Uh, well, that could be true, but, but that's not what's going on in these verses. And again, it says, um, it says uh, with this idea that grace, the gift of God, is uh, reduplicating the whole idea that th- this is not about any promises you make or vows that you make to God. This is not about any deals or bargains or that you're negotiating with God or uh, trade-offs or exchanges. If God, if you do this, I'll do this and and um, uh, making those kinds of things. This is not some sort of repayment schedule for what he's done. This is something we receive. Some people are afraid to actually uh, study this or um, let it sink in because they're afraid that if they let the grace of 
of God sink in, that somehow that will cause them to stray from Christianity, or somehow uh, they need to be motivated by do this and do that and do this and do that in order to stay on the narrow path uh, that they have to obey certain rules or certain rituals or certain uh, prescribed uh, uh, things to do in order to maintain our status. And um, they're afraid to, to think too much about grace because they're afraid that might make them weak. But exactly the opposite is true according to these passages. Grace doesn't make you weak. Does, grace doesn't make you tempted to go back and live any way you want to. Grace is, when you fully realize it, is actually the very thing that keeps you loyal to Christ. It is the very thing that God works through in order to give you all the things he wants to give you. And that's exactly what's going on, not as a result of works, so that no one would boast. So he says it again in the negative not as a result of works, that not of yourselves. That's what he said in verse eight. Now again in verse nine, not as a result of works. This is not, it's not a, a righteousness that we produce. We don't produce this by religion. We don't produce this by by uh, church going, churchianity, you might say. We don't reproduce this. Um, uh, this is not a salvation we um, uh, orchestrate from our end. This is not something we, uh, uh, we balance out some sort of scale uh, by uh, proving to the world and to others how good we can be. This is about receiving a gift. This is about the grace of God that we didn't earn, we didn't deserve, for we, uh, it says, not as a result of works. Why is that? So that no one may boast, so that Paul gives you one of the key ingredients. You see, God doesn't want any boasters in heaven. He doesn't want any braggers in heaven uh, or in eternity. Uh, this is not a place for bragging. This isn't a place for arrogance. This isn't a place that I'm better than you are. I did more than you did. My list is longer than your list. Uh, I kept uh, uh, truer than you did. And uh, uh, because this salvation is by grace and it's not a result of our works so that no one may boast. We don't have any reason to brag, except, of course, uh, uh, Psalm 34, verse 2, uh, the psalmist says, My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and rejoice. So our boast isn't in ourselves. It's not in our works. It's not in how religious we were or how Christian we were. It, our boast is in his work on our behalf. And that is our new identity, is his work in us and his work for us. Romans chapter 3, verse 27 says, For uh, where then is boasting? It is excluded. What kind of law of works? No, but by a law of faith. So uh, Paul is making the argument argument there in Romans chapter 3, verse 27. He's basically saying that uh, uh, it's not like... Uh, uh, God invented this new law. Okay, no bragging now, so stop your bragging. Uh, and uh, and everybody stopped bragging. That's not it. He changes the principle. He changes the, the truth. He changes the heart. And that is, um, 
That is, it's a law now of faith. Faith is now what rules our hearts. Faith is what motivates us. Why? Because faith is the instrument we use to receive God's gift. And receiving God's gift makes us motivated because it is his gift. It is his work. It is his intervention. It is his initiation that uh, that started it all. And when we realize that it is his work, for us, that he started it, he initiated it, he began it all, it is God's work, uh, not our own, then you see there's nothing to brag about. We don't have anything to compete for. And uh, that's exactly uh, what uh, Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 3, as well as in this passage here. And he continues on, just so you get the complete picture, he doesn't stop with verse 9. And many people, when they memorize this passage, they, they do stop at verse 9, and they never get the benefit of verse 10. And sometimes when the preachers preach on this passage, they stop at verse 9 and uh, never get to verse 10. And, uh, and yet it's there, and it's part of, part of the passage. It's part of the logic, uh, part of the argument that Paul is making here. It says, for we are his workmanship. That means God started something in us. We are his workmanship. And that term in the Greek is the, um, is the word poema, and uh, it's where we get our word poem. It is our, it's an artistic word. That means we are God's poem. We are God's ode. He, he uh, orchestrated a work in us, a literary work as well as a, a spiritual work in us to reflect his glory. We are his poetry. We are his masterpiece. That's what God did. And that's where the way this whole chapter is formulated is that we were once dead. Now we're alive. We walked and lived a certain way. Now we are raised and seated in a new identity. Uh, we were children of wrath, but now we are his workmanship. God started a work in us. And when he started a work in us, he created us in Christ Jesus for good works. So we are a new creation, uh, according to uh, uh, a passage in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come, so that we have now been recreated. According to James 1, 18, says, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we should be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. So this was his work. By the work of his word of truth, he brought us, he birthed us, is actually the term there. He birthed us into new life. Uh, also, it says in Titus 3, 5 and 6, of, uh, especially verse 5, it says, By washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, the word of truth brought us forth, the Holy Spirit brought, brought us forth. They are the author of... He is the author of our being born again. He's the author of our new status being created in Christ Jesus. And notice, for good works. He has prepared something for us to do. He hasn't just um, uh, created a new identity for us, but that identity is received by grace through faith. 
And then once it's received, then we understand that God has prepared certain things for us to do. And so the works that we do are because God has motivated us to do them, not because we're trying to earn something to get into heaven, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the works that we do are the works that come from his motivation, not ours in some sort of selfish uh, program to try to get ourselves uh, good enough to get into heaven. But by receiving the grace by faith, we already are good enough because Jesus, God's son, took our place. And by grace through faith, God works in us. Uh, According to Philippians chapter uh, 2, verses 12 uh, through 13, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, don't forget verse 13, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. When we receive his work for us, then we receive also his work in us. And when we receive his work in us, we become different people as we live out our new identity in Christ. Thank you, Father, for these words of encouragement, for instruction, for clarity. And we pray that we could have the understanding we need to be motivated the right way to do the right things and not the wrong way and end up doing the wrong things. We just trust in you that you will work in us and you will complete the work you began in us. And we put our confidence not in ourselves, but in you to do and complete what you've started in us. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed our presentation today. This is Glendale Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock.